Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Hello, my fellow vapors. Welcome to another edition of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network. Did you know that we have live shows five days a week for your listening pleasure? Starting Sunday, of course, with Kevin and VP Live Radio. Mondays, you have Raven with Anti-Nanny. Tuesday, sometimes you have Russ with Clickbang Radio. Of course, Wednesday nights here with me on Smoke Free Radio. And Thursday, the lovely Genie K with a Genie K show. VP Live Network, content-oriented vape radio with some muckrackery involved, of course, on Tuesday nights. Um, 347-308-8329. That is 347-308-8329. Press 1. If you want to participate with any questions or comments during tonight's broadcast, of course, my co-host, the lovely Bitch M. That's her new nickname, probably. Bitch M. uh, Is a little bit under the weather, so she's taking the night off. But, but, for your listening pleasure... I do have a special guest in the studio tonight, live from Chatta, Vegas, Tennessee, from the Vape Stars Network, the one and only, I call him the third wheel, JT. What's <laughs> up, JT? Hey, everybody. <laughs> What's going on, man? Oh, just living it up. Welcome and, uh, welcome to Chattanooga. Thank you. I'm on, I've been on Demi Tour. You've <laughs> been on Demi Tour today, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to have you here. Uh, before we get started, uh, a couple of weekends ago, uh, my best friend kind of cheated on me with you. You were in Indiana, vaping the <laughs> fort. Tell us about that event. How was that event in Indiana? It, it was fun. Uh, it was nice to spend some time with Phil away from you. Um, but I, I got you this weekend, so I'm making the rounds. Did he behave? That's all I want to know. He did. Um, right. And he told me not to look when he wasn't. So. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about pre-market application a little bit later on. I was in Washington last week. That's why we didn't have any smoke-free radio. It was kind of a last-minute thing that I found out about, and I'm glad I participated in it. We're going to talk a little bit about later that, and JT is going to join me in the conversation. Uh, but now, let's talk a little bit about JT. First of all, JT, for people that don't know you, um, you know, how did you get started with vaping? Well, I, uh, I got a really cheap starter kit and was kind of, it was given to me as a gift. Um, and I had to smile and say, thank you. It, it, it didn't click. Uh, months down the road, I found some higher nicotine juice, some better flavors, and it took hold and just, you know, uh, dove into it like so many of you have. How long did you smoke for before? About 10 years. About 10 years? Yes. And, you know, longer than that, stealing cigarettes and bumming, you know, here and there, but over 10 as a real smoker. Do you think a better device or a higher nicotine help you make the transition? Initially, it didn't work for you. Uh, then you retried it. Do you think it was the, the, you know, maybe the better quality e-liquid, the higher nicotine, or the actual device that actually helped you get off the hump? I got to be, for me, the higher nicotine liquid, really something clicked in my brain wow. and it, probably receptors, right? Uh, it clicked for me. And then I moved on to equipment and it, and it kicked in high gear. You know, I... I'm a firm believer that passionate smokers, I consider myself a passionate smoker, a pack, pack and a half a day, uh, you need higher nicotine. And it really surprised me when I go into some of these shops and I see like the highest nicotine that they have is six and six milligrams. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, right. I mean, if you're really catering for a tobacco harm reduction product, as you know, what I believe that we're doing, you have to have that higher nick. Now, granted, with the devices now being better and more efficient, quickly people will realize and they can cut down on their nicotine. But you have to have that to help you get over the hump, in my, my humble opinion. I, I agree. And I think almost sometimes we get a little caught up in trying to encourage people to drop nicotine levels a little too quick. Um, <clears throat> I myself went to three milligram and it was premature. I found myself never able to set down my device. Now I go from six to three and I'm far more satisfied than I was. I think for people that are making the transition, once you get over that hump of smoking a cigarette, because a cigarette gives you that immediate you know, nicotine hit, once you get over that hump and then it becomes kind of a hobby like it has for a lot of us, you know, lowering nick makes sense, but you're not attached to the device. You're not attached to nicotine as much as you were from getting that immediate hit. That's what vaping does to you. It kind of throttles that nicotine intake as well, too. It actually helps wean you off, if you want to call it that. Now, I know there's people that still vape 12 and 18. I know people that drip 18 right. as well, too. They just everybody Everybody's body and metabolism is different. But if you vape as a tobacco harm reduction tool, you know, you got to have that nicotine. I agree, and and you don't need to take a path that your buddy has taken. You know, there's plenty of guidance and opinions are everywhere, and listen to them, but just listen to your own body. It will tell you, and you will naturally taper down. You know, I'm perfectly fine taking in nicotine every day. Um, you know, but the smoke and tar, those type of things, I was not okay with. If vaping was banned today, tomorrow we wake up. We can't have vaping anymore. Would you go back to cigarettes? I think, honestly, for me, it would probably be a form of uh, tobacco, uh, probably a dip, a skull, chewing tobacco. I, I that's, that's my ballpark guess. I think that a lot of people feel that same way, and I think that's why it's so critical to get these legislators and these politicians and even the FDA to understand that if we don't have the options that we have now, 
a lot of us will be driven back to tobacco in some form or another. Absolutely. I'm not saying one is worse than the other. I think they're all bad. Uh, one might be a little bit, you know, more harmful than the other one. Uh, combustible, obviously, is going to be more harmful than smokeless. But I think it's vital for these politicians and these legislators to know that if they affect this industry where they choke the industry, a lot of us will be driven back to combustible tobacco. And that could be right. it could be detrimental to public health. I mean, you're talking about just today <laughs> the FDA posted that there's 480,000 tobacco deaths. Right. And they know that, right? We know that. We've been preaching that. But what are you doing to get people to switch to something that's less harmful? Nothing. That quit and die mentality. That's bullshit. It doesn't work. It's been proven and it doesn't work, and they have to get from that mindset as well, too, in my opinion. Um, so you made the jump. You you found something that works for you. You were able to quit smoking. But then, I mean, you really dove into it. Like a lot of us, you found that hobby aside. What, what kind of triggered you to take it to the next level and get away from that, you know, the ego kit that you were using and try to get into more modified devices? How did you discover this side of the industry? You know, I, uh, I got to say, this really came from Instagram. I uh, I had a personal account, and I happened to search the hashtag vape or vaping, and I was like, whoa, this is a real thing. And it, it went from there, and I found um, Basardo, yourself, Grim Green, Vape Girl. I found these other avenues to feed this curiosity I had. And, uh, you know, in my local area, there was one vape shop, after two weeks of vaping, I had outgrown them, so to speak. Yeah. So I was left to order online and make mistakes, and I, I really wanted to really chart my personal journey. That's how the Instagram account and the YouTube account got started. And then you started, uh, you know, you started doing some reviews. You started the Vape Stars website. What was the goal with the Vape Stars? I mean, it's more of a blog type thing. Right. It's kind of unusual, but a lot of people just jump into YouTube and they, you know, create this persona, whatever. Yours was a little bit more diversified, which I liked. You know, you did a lot of text writing. Uh, really interacted with your audience as well too, and I think that that you know you, you created a bond between your followers and what you were trying to preach. So why did you take that avenue? Um, I really coming from you know the Instagram and having so many people so quick to help me when I needed it. Um, I didn't know if it would take off, but connecting with people very quick and answering questions and being very available has always been very important. So I did the blog, the website, and honestly, it's just a it's all of my YouTube reviews, but with a little more personal, you know, a paragraph or two, I can organize it in a better way. And the whole Vape Stars thing, I try to remind people, I'm not, quote, Vape Stars. Uh, I saw this this elite type group of Vapor and this other group of Vapor when I started. And I really was all about bridging that gap and say, we're all rock stars. We're all whatever you think is cool. We're all on this same tier doing the same thing. So we are all vape stars is kind of where that. So you're not from. vape famous. I mean, let's, uh, no, no, no. I'm I, nobody <laughs> knows who I am. I'm happy with that. Um, I'm a nobody, as somebody reminded me one day. Um, and I'm I'm cool. I'm with sure that. that was Phil. <laughs> I'm great with that. I tell you what. Um, uh, what I'm really happy with is that I'm happy with the reputation. I'm happy with what I put out, and I'm happy that that people like you have. Uh, welcomed me and, and taught me so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see how, you know, with all the, the, the hype, and, and that's something that I want to talk about with you, because, you know, I think when, when you started, I think, you know, like a lot of us, we kind of get sidetracked. You know, you see, you know, the popularity, you see, you know, what's going out there, and, you know, you see the hype, you buy into the hype of devices, the hand checks, the clouds, the, right. you know, the builds, and, I mean, it's naturally for people to get sidetracked. Honestly, it's, it's very hard trying to maintain a path 
if if that path is truly you know believing in this product and helping to get off cigarettes, it's very easy to be sidetracked, especially with the commercialization now that's going on with the product. And I think that you experienced that a little bit, but you quickly pulled back and you saw that that's not what you're about. Yes, sir. I really did, and it was a very organic thing. Come a little bit closer to the mic. Okay, so. it was a very organic thing. You know, I started doing the reviews to share information, and then it was, wow, look at this new device, look at this new device, and I got caught up, and it took me, you know, probably a couple months, but there was a tipping point where I, whether I have a certain reach or I'm doing any good, I wanted to make sure that I'm ultimately proud of everything I do. I'm not here to promote specific products, make anybody rich, anything like that. I'm here to just chart my journey like I always said and I went through that bubble of you know getting caught up in hype and honestly probably contributed to the hype a bit sure and I saw that and I made a video and I said look when you first start vaping and this clicks slow down there's this window where you're buying everything you see and you're wasting so much money that's when it stopped and I started paying more attention to the big picture and how to keep this around and and you know just do what I think is right and a model after people like you. Oh, honestly. that's so sweet. Did you tell Phil exactly the same thing? I just want to know. So I'm going to no, you can collaborate like, stories. You can uh, <laughs> loosen the cuffs now. I said it. Uh, by the way, you know that, that you did a video actually that talked about the hype of the products. I just want you to kind of briefly touch on it. You know what what the what the focus of that video was because it was probably one of the, my favorite videos that you've put out there. And I like the fact that you keep them nice and short and clean and right to the point because you know the attention span is just right. not there anymore. So talk a little bit about that hype video. So it was really again just my journey and what I've seen. When you first start vaping, it is a tool. Okay, we all understand it's a tool. We don't. We don't have favorite devices, but really quick, you see new stuff hit the market. You run out and buy it. Luckily, we have shops. We can go try things. But there's still a ton of vapors that don't and don't have reliable shops. We're ordering stuff, and it gets here, and version three's out next week. And then the next Juice Flavors this week. And is it because that's what we really need? you know, to help us stay off of cigarettes or get off of cigarettes? No. We're getting caught up in the hype. And, you know, advertising is one thing, but contributing to the hype over stuff that, man, there's 17 of those on the market right now. <laughs> there's there's going to be 12 more by Tuesday. Just really to encourage people to slow down, gather information. If you watch YouTube reviews, let a couple reviews come out. Let a version or two come out of a certain device if it's, you know, substantial cost. And uh, just pull the trigger slowly. You know, don't be so reactive Make a plan and get what you think is really going to fit your style. You know what I th- what, what I see out there is a lot of people that that just like immediately just buy and they see a picture. You know, sometimes I'm guilty of it as well too. But you know, when new right. stuff comes in, I want people to see and see what options they have, and I try to work with the product for a couple of weeks before I do a video on there. Right. But I always tell people. Get out there and see. Watch two, three, four reviews. Get everybody's exactly. perspective, you know, everybody's take on it and see if it's something. Also find reviewers that match your style of vaping. Boom. You know, I think that's extremely <laughs> important. You know, I speak to my niche, which is generally an older audience that's looking for tobacco harm reduction, more commercialized products, more products that are not so rebuildable, low, you know. There's other reviewers that do a great job with builds and, you know, cloud blowing, whatever your your your, your specialty is, whatever your niche is. <laughs> You have to find a reviewer that reflects your style of vaping, and not one, multiple. Absolutely. And as a reviewer, hold them to a standard. And, and you know, 
support, if you want to call it that. Watch the reviewer that does what you need. I found myself just like the, and I'm just a vapor, but I get excited about devices too. And I said, okay, you cannot review this thing the first couple of days it comes because you are going to put out, sure. you're going to add to this hype machine. What if it fails four days after your review? You've already put that out there. Right. That's not something I wanted to do. So I, I really slowed down and I make better choices and, and focus my energy where I think it needs to be. Perfect example is the DNA 40. That it's a new technology. People got the you know the chip in. They were putting videos up two days later. Oh, this shit sucks. This is horrible. You know, and and for me, working with nickel and working with a temperature control device, it's it's a journey. It's just like relearning how to vape from the beginning. You really have to work with it in order to give the accurate information. That's one of the reasons why me and Phil have taken so long. Phil just put his video out last week, and even he said in his you know it's the technology is great, but it's not there yet you know it's it's a really finicky new technology that we're gonna have to at some point i think from a commercial standpoint and from a regulatory standpoint makes perfect sense it's just not there yet right i agree i was really lucky i got invited to the beta group the evolve beta group so it was nice i had a heads up i was able to use the device but it really was learning to ride a bicycle all over again or whatever the analogy sure, would be. Sure, sure, it, sure. It, it's really tough. And even now, one out of every 10 temperature control builds I actually run with. <laughs> Normally, I tear them back down. You know, but it bugs me when you get reviewers or you get you know people just in general saying, this technology is shit. Nickel sucks. Right. DNA 40 sucks. Well, that's not that's not accurate. Okay? I mean, it's, 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 there's a fine line of explaining a product and what it does and how it works and then saying, just because you don't like it, that it's shit. That doesn't mean that somebody else not might find this, you know, somebody, a new vapor, that can get a temperature-controlled nickel coil in a sub-tank. Right. They're never going to experience a dry hit, to me, is an absolute win. You know, you're never going to have a smoker say, oh, this tastes burnt, you know. Right. How, how can you not love that for a new vapor? Yeah, for an experienced vapor like me, I know how to build my canthal. I like it at, you know, 1.4 ohms, whatever, you know. But, I, you know, if we had started on nickel wire, it would be perfectly normal. We would have all adjusted to it and gotten to know it. You know, so sure. it's just different and it's not hyping or vilifying something sure. when you're emotional. And even as reviewers, even getting as many devices as some people do, you still get excited. It's still vape mail, Absolutely. bro. Absolutely. It's still an exciting thing. You feel blessed that this these people want your feedback. So you've got to get it. You've got to let the emotions die down and then tackle it and try to be as, as flat as you can. Or if you're excited by then, two weeks later, if I'm still pumped about something... I need to be excited on video. Sure, sure. And I, and I see some comments in the chat. The screen is fucked up. And, and there were problems with the DNA chips. Don't get me wrong. But, I, I, you know, I don't think that was ever downplayed. I think that there were some problems with the chip. You know, from my standpoint, I haven't experienced it. Uh, JT, you didn't experience it at the beginning. Then you had a problem with one of the later devices. Right. The key here is how the problem is being handled, okay? If, if you have a chip and it's wrong... To be uh, the company to stand behind it and replace it for you, okay? And I think that's what's the important part here. Um, was it ready for market? Probably not. I think it could have used a little bit more, you know, refining and re- you know retuning. But I feel that Evolve also felt that China might be making that jump on the temperature control, and it wanted to get a head start on it as well too. I mean, yeah. Right. It's one thing to release it and not follow up with service on it, but you also have to give the right service. And I think that everybody that had a bad chip was taken care of, uh, JT. I, th- I think so as well. Um this is this is new and, and again i know everybody says it all the time but we're all still writing the book here mm-hmm. and and when new technology comes in i'm sure it's 
it's not melt, met with welcome arms from everybody. Uh, but we got to get used to it. This is what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we've got to stay flexible and stay fluid and be like water. I will, I will tell you one thing about the 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 uh, nickel builds is that you have to be very proficient in your builds. You have to be. I mean, nickel is very very sensitive, and you know, I've told this to a couple of experienced vapors, and they told me, "Oh fuck, man! You know, I've been building for four years." I'm like, I'm not, ju- I'm not, I'm not <laughs> criticizing your build skills, right? All I'm saying is that you have to be really refined in building a nickel coil. It's very, very sensitive. It works for temperature control, obviously, right? right? So you have to have everything just perfect in order for a rebuild coil to 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 operate correctly. And in some cases, even if you do build a perfect coil, you're going to run into some issues. Right. It's not brute wattage. And right. that's what a lot of people have gotten used to. You know, it's pretty pretty easy to do three wraps of some big 20 right. gauge and hit a button. You know, this is really fine tuning your vape and finding a different experience and, and what we hope is a, a safer experience. Yeah. yeah. I, see, I see a comment from John that it was handled bad from Evolve. That has not been my experience, John. I mean, I have not had a vapor that's told me that they haven't had the, the problem taken care of with with uh, with the screen, if they had issues with the devices, whether it was through the modders or with, through through the company. But like I said, everybody has different experiences in this, and uh, you know, I can't say one way or the other. For me personally, I have not had a bad screen yet, and I've got five DNA forty devices right now. Right. But you know, I'm not saying that it's not happening out there. Obviously, it is. A lot of people have complained about it. It's about how it follows up. Uh, with it, uh, the people that I've talked to that had problems, they told me that it was taken care of. Uh, back to the hype. Let's jump on the other bag. And we talk about the devices and the hype and all that. And how people, how about juice? Do you know I mean, you, you <laughs> don't want to talk about a hype, man. Let's talk about e-liquid. Uh, that this is tough. You know, I think we've we talked about it today. Us vapors, or as vapors, we're establishing this market. And I posted in one of my groups recently, do you ever think the community or the industry is going to reject new juice lines? And an overwhelming answer was no. Right? There's room for it. They're all coming in. And what I think, and I mentioned to, to you earlier today, I think what it's doing is it's actually pushing out some very good juice lines you know, kind of, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's, it's casting the shot, the the light on this latest two flavor or one hit wonder. Yeah. And there's some really solid lines with some really good stuff to offer that's getting pushed aside in an effort to take care of the, you know, just the latest hyped up juice. And unfortunately, I'm not a a candy vapor and I, I, I don't prefer cereal type right. stuff. So I'm kind of left out in the cold, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Me all too. this newest, uh, some of the newest stuff, not all of it. I'm sure it's great for some people. It's just not my thing. So yeah. I've got to wait until, you know, stuff more of my profile. You always hear about a custard and you always hear about the new fruit loops. When's the last time you heard about a new green tea? I mean, <laughs> when, did, when did you see hype right. over a green tea or, you know, a raspberry tea or some of the stuff that, we're, that, exactly. you know, that we like to vape? And, and it's unfortunate from one side. I mean, I understand how the industry is working now. But can you imagine being a vendor, having a shop? Um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard other shops tell me now they get daily one or two juice line samples every day. I mean, what do you carry? What do you what do you what do you pull out there? What do you try to put on yourself? What do you what is your definition of premium? This this is my biggest question to to shop owners. What is your definition of premium, JT? You know, I'm like you, and I want to state right now, I don't have any firm answers. Um, a, A good friend of mine said, you know, what's true today might not be true tonight. You know what I'm saying? I like to stay flexible, and you know, there are no definites. 
that's a tough thing. You know, it's it's how and and where it was manufactured. Um, is it all verifiable? Those are very important things to me. Um, you know, there's a price point in there, and everybody's got their budget. But I'm I'm a pretty picky vapor at this point. Yeah. Um, I like berry blends, and I like dessert vapes at night pretty much only. That's kind of my profile. I've been really into some tea stuff, raspberry tea. Anybody can recommend He's seeing the light. Finally. Raspberry green tea. I'm still on the hunt for a really good one. Um, so you know, I just I just don't get into the cereal thing. Custards are okay, um, but again, only at nighttime. That's when I get a sweet tooth. I have to. Uh, we have to make a disclaimer now. You do work for Enjoy now, yes, and and they have the artistic line out there that's out there and, and selling in vape shops now as well too. So we just have to get that disclaimer out of the way. But aside from your job, you are a vapor. You're someone that's passionate about the community, Absolutely. and you see all this coming out. You see all this juice is coming out. You know. I'm a strong believer that this is not going to be going on for much longer. I think at some point, you know, somebody's going to step in and say, hey, this is enough. But it seems to me that if you're at the right place at the right time and you just slap a label on it that has a half-naked woman on it and get a couple of the, you know, predominant figures in the in, in the industry, do a handshake with it, that's your recipe for a million dollars. There good, you go. You're good to go. And the problem is, is they've got no long-term plan and they're fine with it. They don't care that they're not going to be relevant with a good business structure in six months to eight months. They don't care. They just need this quick run, one hit wonder. Like I said, you know, like I said, bikini model on the front or a cartoon character, which is a whole nother can of worms. Uh, you're selling a product that people in hell. When did we forget about that? When, when did we forget that people are buying this stuff and they're inhaling it in their lungs? You know. Granted, even the worst juice is probably better than smoking, all right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not disagreeing on that. But we did switch to this product for a less harmful option, right? Right. So we're trying to keep it as less harmful. And, and you know, for the long term, we want to be around for our kids. We want to be around to you know live longer, not die from COPD or whatever, right? So I think that that concept in the last 12 to 18 months has been completely ignored. It's kind of gone to the wayside. Uh, we see, you know, a lot of the same issues with liquids, with dicetyl and AP, and uh, not good manufacturing practices, bad labeling, all this stuff that I'm going to talk about later during the pre-market application that we know is not going to be allowed, right? right? So if you if you know it's not going to be allowed by the FDA, or if you plan on submitting an application, why do it now? Why why fuck the entire industry? Right? Why muddy the water? Why muddy the water? Because we can't defend that. You're making it hard for everybody. The other day, um, Stefan gave me a picture of a hearing up in Massachusetts, and right before the hearing started, they had these billboards set up, and on this billboard, Man. it had you know it was, it, was, it was trying to show that vaping promotes the kids, and there was a bottle of juice that was marked Kool Aid, the name Kool Aid, just like you see it logoed same by Kraft, same yeah. font, and. And there's a picture that some politician is going to use. How in the hell can I stand up there and fight for you and defend your product and defend vaping when you're fucking the industry up yourself? Uh, it's it's unreal to me. A hundred percent. You've got no ground to stand on when you're you're up there left with crickets. All you can do, and I imagine, is kind of throw your hands up and say, "I, I have no response to that." So, and these people and these companies, I, I don't know. I don't know if they don't care. Um, or they're just, you know, really oblivious to the fact that, that this is not good for everybody else. There's a lot of great companies out here, a lot of very responsible vapors and business people. 
But, you know, that's not the ones that get highlighted, right. unfortunately. Right. That's right. what's so bad. Right. And I think if you have a short-term plan, if that's your short-term plan, let me just make a few bucks now and I'm going to retire, that's fine. But don't try to ride my back. Don't get mad when I call you out. Because when I'm calling you out, I'm not calling you out because I have any, something personal with you. I don't even know half these people that make these juices. Right. I'm calling you out because I'm trying to bring awareness not only to you as, as somebody that's in the industry making e-liquid, but also to the vapor that are out there. If the vapors buy into your hype, then the vapors are guided that way as well too. And that's a bad thing as well. That's it's it's point proven that even in hearing sometimes vapors testify, they say the wrong things simply because they've been guided that way. You know, yeah. you don't have you Look at Greg Conley when he says, I quit using the watermelon e-liquid. That's exactly what he says. He doesn't get out there and say, I quit using, you know, Kool-Aid. I mean, that's it's right. stupid. You say that, and it automatically puts a stamp on the industry. Hey, these guys are promoting to kids. I, I and I take it. I take it a little further to some of the. We talked about it earlier. The the mods built out of of toys and stuff. Mm-hmm. I get it, man. I, I played Nintendo. You know, I played Nintendo as a as a consenting adult. But you know uh, what are these? What are what are the kids going to think when they look over and there's a toy with a red button on top? Right. With a tank. Right. They don't know. That's their toy. That's their minion. That's their video game controller. It's tough. And, right, and right. people, when I when I bring that up, people say, "Oh, you sound like the antis." Right. Um, JT, you're being too sensitive. Right. Am I? Because they're not going to care. And the they is the FDA, the government, everybody against us. They're not going to point out the top-notch people. They're going to point out these these bad apples, and that's what we're going to have to answer to. And like Dimitri right. said, he can't answer for that. Right, I can't. I can't. And I can't defend it. Um, rounding out the e-liquid, you know, you've been traveling a lot, you know, Georgia and Florida now with your work, and you see when you go into these shops, and you you, you, see, you don't have to say anything specific. We don't, we don't want to call anybody out. But what do you think, you know, the, the scope of the industry when it comes to the retail and the shops that you go into, I mean, you go into some good ones, and you also go into some bad ones, right? Right. Now, let's talk about the bad ones, the ones that are out there that are hurting our industry. Uh, some of the examples that you've seen in, in the various, you know, travelings that you've done. One of the things that... <laughs> that rings is is tampering with outside products Mm -hmm. that that's a scary thing to see a shop that carries outside juices and and then tampers with them and adds either a different flavoring or a nicotine level that's very scary to me yeah and i think everybody can agree that that's that's a bit scary Um, and and what's really scary is to see the lack of awareness about what we're looking what we're up against right now and hearing somebody say Dude, within a couple hours, I can be FDA uh, right. compliant in my back <laughs> right. room where, where I mix juice right. or at the front counter where there's an open right. jug of nicotine. Those are the kind of things that scare me. And I mean, that, that I, I think everybody can agree that those are those are rough things. That's We're talking about specific. pre-market application a little bit later on, and you're going to see it's not going to take two hours. It's going to take almost 5,000 hours for one application to go through. Uh, you know, what I see when I, when I walk into some of these stores is just – inexperience and no education over the product and that really bugs me it really bugs me when you have shops that are operating that don't even know that e-cigs will be regulated as tobacco shops that are operating that don't know about casa shops that are operate operating that don't have basic health guidelines you know how they mix and where they mix and how they do it um you know not not measuring nicotine levels it, it, that stuff right there really bothers me i think it puts a huge stigma on the industry as well and also puts a huge stigma on people that try 
vaping and it doesn't work or they're not impressed or it disappoints a smoker from, you know, they try it one time and they go into an environment like that. They don't feel comfortable and then they automatically discredit the product. Like, oh, yo, I went inside there and it was, and they did this and they pulled out a ketchup bottle or whatever and they put nicotine. You know, that's not, it's not just not good for the industry in my opinion. Well, that reminds me of, uh, you know, the way we present ourselves. There's a lot of shops out there that, that can survive on the hobbyist vapors. And as the type of vapor I am, I'm okay to go into a tinted window vape shop with couches and video games. I'm 100% comfortable with that. But some of these soccer moms and baseball dads, they're not going to feel that welcome when they feel alienated. They go in and every, you know, a customer offers advice while they're talking to a shop rep. Um, If they feel like they walked in on a private party, you know, they just don't feel welcome. So I really like the... uh, I like a shop to be very inviting for anyone of any experience level and somebody that doesn't even know. You know, I don't I want them to put that cigarette out when they get out of their car and walk into that vape shop, not turn around at the door and go back to, you know, whatever gas station and get some more cigarettes. I think also that the goal of the brick and mortar should be to educate the consumer as well too because unfortunately you know 90 percent of this market is not online right you know they don't listen to these shows they don't get on facebook and join every facebook group that there's out there they're not aware of what's going on so it's the responsibility of the shop to let them know that hey we're under attack and this product as you're enjoying it now might not be available next year so you have to do something about it that's that's great i and i recommended you know we've got another comment period for the FDA, and uh, I put out a really short little Facebook video just to get some feedback. What about walking in your uh, your local shop, and they've got an iPad set up, and they encourage you, whether it's just, hey, man, why don't you do this if you don't mind, or with a discount, hey, put your story in while you're hanging out trying some new juices, pop a story into the FDA for us, and make it a fun thing. I, I think it could catch on. Um, I saw a comment in the chat that said, I miss the days when, when most of this, this industry was online. I kind of miss it too. It was a little bit more of a close knit, you know, community, but keep in mind that back then when we used to order stuff online, we didn't really know where it came from too. Right. <laughs> so it was kind of like, don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. <laughs> and a lot of these businesses did start from homes. So, you know, we vaped it. It helped us get off cigarettes, but it has evolved now. Right. And the industry has gotten bigger and bigger. And I think that a lot of the juice makers that did start from homes have evolved. You see companies like, you know, Vaporcast and Niquid and, and Steve that you visited today. Yeah. You know, these companies started from a house, but they have reinvested into their business and they're trying to catch up with what's being done now in a regulatory framework to eliminate this industry. And it's hard. It's difficult to be able to put up with RJR and Altria and all these big companies that are trying to put us out of business. It's extremely difficult. But if more people would join in, I think that we do stand a chance if they all bond together. But it's a competition now. Nobody wants to work with each other right. for the greater good of the industry. I agree. And I, I hate to sound – I'm a very positive guy. So I hate to sound well, – the the examples I've given are a small percentage. There are many, many great businesses, great vape shops. We're specialty shops. And they're giving educations and they're encouraging the right thing. So don't get me wrong. I've, I, it's not all doom and gloom. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got a great, great community around. I, I, I travel around Florida and Georgia and uh, from time to time go out to other events. So it's good stuff. I don't want to be negative. But, you know, again, <laughs> those negative things shine so much brighter than the positive to certain people in agencies, I guess, you know. Well, you see it, you know, even with uh, the, some of these bad stories that are coming out now. People are taking the um, 
Hybrid gate. The hybrid gate, yeah. <laughs> they're taking these uh, these tanks and they're they're hybrid, you know, on, on mechanical mods and they're blowing up. And, you know, this is education that the shop should be trained to give to their consumers when they're picking up devices, okay? If you don't, if you're not trained to be in a position in a vape store, just because you're a vapor doesn't mean you're qualified to work at a vape shop. Let me right. just put that out there real quick. But... You you know it's it's the management's responsibility to train your staff to be able to train and educate your consumers as well. At the end of the day, JT, we sell an addictive substance. When did we forget that? When did we forget that point? Right? We're selling something that's addictive. We're selling something that people are inhaling, and there's some responsibility that has to go along with that. Absolutely, I think there's a lot of responsibility that does, um, you know, and like you said. Just because you're a vapor doesn't mean you should work at a vape shop. Doesn't mean you should open one. I, I get it. The best intentions, I love it. And, and you know, this industry has to be stronger to to have more assets to stand up and fight. But it's got to be done the right way. We've got to we've got to smooth things out. We've got to sand these rough edges and be a little more streamlined, a little more professional, a little more coherent. Right. You know, uh, there needs to be some baselines. You know, this 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 guy knows that he can go to a vape shop and get this experience. It'll be a little different from here to there, but they need to be able to expect professionalism, you know, clean, bright, nice environment and welcome people and no judgment and sure. no feeling sure. awkward. Sure. Man, that so this guy's vaping on juice, but they don't even carry it at the <laughs> shop. What but, is well, if it's so good that my that my mentor is is vaping on it, then I want to buy it. <laughs> right. Well, you got to go down the road. Right. Things like that. These are real business right. practices that sure, we need sure. to we need to implement. Sure, sure. It's not a party anymore, and, and, and that lifestyle sell I think is is part of the problem. You know, right. people are selling that lifestyle. You're seeing a lot of people don't smoke and don't vape now. You know, going into stores, hey, I want to blow cows, I want zero nicotine. It's, you know, I mean, as a business, you have to sell it to them, you know, after you educate them and say, hey, listen, you know, if you didn't smoke, you didn't vape, we don't suggest it. But ultimately, if you have an adult, you know, 18 and over and they come into their shop, your shop, you have to sell it to them. And, and selling that lifestyle is part of the problem. This has to be, this has to be a tobacco harm reduction tool. This is what we're selling. This is what we're telling. And we also have to keep that principle. If we get away from that principle, then everything that they're accusing of us, that's exactly what we're doing. I agree. Uh, 347-308-8329. Press 1 if you have any questions or comments. I'm sitting here talking to JT, Jonathan Thomas from Vape Stars. Um, JT, as as you've evolved now, as I've seen you more and more, especially the last six months, Try to get involved a little bit more in advocacy, which is it's a tough sell. Um, I, I saw you post the other day in, in your group, in your Facebook group. Uh, how do we make advocacy more fun? And I replied, <laughs> like, advocacy is not fun. Let's not lie to anybody and tell them that it's fun. But you know what triggered you to take that route, especially the last six months? I've seen you make that transition into it. What what kind of you know kind of rung off that bell in your head? Say I have to take a little bit more of a serious stance again. You know, I I, I don't know that I can say. One thing, I think it's a combination of things. Again, watching people that I look up to um, do that. I think naturally that's just the way I was always meant to evolve. You know, I went through my let's let's address the smoking. I got taken care of that. My energies went into hobbyist and reviewing. I think I can help. Honestly, the end of the day, I think I can help. Um, you know, whether it's two people, three people. And uh, I think I can help bring some awareness, man. And I, I know I can't turn it into a party, but fuck, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get some hype. Let's turn some of this hype towards activism. That's what the fuck I want to see. 
Vaping, somebody said vaping. Yeah, vaping is fun. Advocacy is not fun. I have never been into a situation where I had to advocate for this product, whether it was in Washington, whether it was locally here in the Capitol, whether it was in an interview. Everywhere I had, I've never left there and said, fuck, that was a lot of fun. I want to do that shit again. Never, never, all the time that I've been doing this. But he's never taken me with him. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Hey. But it, it is a difficult, it is a difficult uh, pr- right. uh, proposition because... You know, A, it, it can be very boring and it can be very frustrating. And as vapors, we have so much passion that we want to react when somebody especially is accusing us of something. We want to react in a way where we want to kill them. And I get that feeling a lot. Trust me, it's very hard to restrain. But there is a responsibility that goes with advocacy and what you say. People listen to you. You have to be accurate in what you're saying. You have to be educated on the topic. Right. And it's very hard trying to steer vapors down that route as well. When at the same time, Kanger's releasing a new tank every fucking week. You know, it's, it's like it's yeah, like right. everybody's like looking for the new tank and the new Chase the Dragon product that's out there, and they're not paying attention to what's happening, especially on a state level right now, where we're getting killed. You know, across the U.S., it's very hard to steer them down that route. It is, and I, I guess if I could say, "Hey, JT, what do you really want to accomplish?" I'm not an advocate. I, I wouldn't call. I have a hard time calling myself even a reviewer. I'm just a vapor. I vape a whole lot, uh, and I love it. What I would like to do, if I could bring something to the table, it is to make people feel more comfortable activating, right? To to show them that little things can add up. Um, everything helps. Just in my little universe, Facebook, Instagram, I have seen a huge uptick in sharing of advocacy posts and vaping ban awareness and calls to action and i know a lot of people look at that and they're like oh that's just slack that's it's it's a step in the right direction for me and i want to to applaud everyone on all of the vape stars groups and all of the community for stepping up recently um you know i'm a positive guy i think we have time to do it it's just making people understand little things can add up and you don't have to put on a suit and fly to Washington, D.C. We've got some people for that. And there's other people we need to fund to be able to do that. But we can all help. And we can sure. bring advocacy up in our feeds. Sure. It's it's something that has to be taken seriously by the vapors if you want this product to be around. I mean, if you have this mindset that you know everything's going to be fine and dandy and you're never going to have a cutoff in your juice line, just look what's happening in Indiana. Uh, look at the hearings that are taking place. Look at Washington, uh, which, by the way, Washington State – is not defeated. Uh, I, I know some people said that the, the the bill was off the table. It is not. Okay, so if you're in Washington State, keep fighting, keep writing your legislators. Uh, I caught part of that hearing the other day, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I heard a lot of people testify. Uh, people, you know, were talking about they quit smoking with vaping, and you know, uh, oh, this industry is is uh, self regulating itself, and you know, we we use childproof caps. It's not true. All right. Keep at the matter at hand. The matter at hand here is taxation. This is what you should be focusing your beat the taxation issue. Nobody cares that you quit smoking with vaping. All right. Every hearing has a specific meaning. Usually it is taxation. We do not accept taxation on this product. Period. Zero. No ifs, ands, ors about it. Every time you hear tax, you say no. We're against it. Because we're using a less harmful product. We're not using a tobacco product. And this is what the scope of the advocacy has to do. You always have to be aware of what the issue at hand is and what you're fighting right. to, to defeat. And be clear and concise and address that specifically. Because th- these people listening, they're going to stop listening. 
Once right. you start trailing off about this new juice helped you or whatever, and that's not the issue, they're done. They're right. shutting you down. Um, I think one thing, and I just thought of this, I, I hated to jump in, um, is is to explain. When I post, and, and I've gone through this inner turmoil, when I, turmoil, excuse me, when I see a proposed ban, I got to say, sometimes I agree. I don't need to vape in a courtroom. I don't need to vape in the DMV. Can you explain and help me explain why we are still fighting these bans when when most, if not all, logical vapors agree with these things? Sure. Uh, I think the problem is that we have kind of uh, misinterpreted, you know, what the limitations of this product is. Okay. I'm a proponent of vaping in public. Okay. Don't get me wrong. But I do believe that some people should be should have the right to their privacy as well, too. Now, you can't walk into, you know, a Chuck E. Cheese with your daughter for her birthday party and blow a huge cloud on Chucky the Clown that's sitting over there. I mean, it's, that's just that's just rude. I mean, it has nothing to do with the product itself. You know right. what I'm saying? It's just etiquette. Right. You know, that's just douchebaggery, in my opinion. It has nothing to do with your freedom clouds or having the right to vape. And at the end of the day, when you're talking about private businesses, ask, you know, can I vape here? But when they tell you yes, and you pull out a .13 ohm dual coil and 100% VG, and you're blowing clouds, I mean... They won't say yes next time. It, it's it's not a matter if it's safe or not. I believe it's safe. Okay, whatever. It's just annoying. I mean, why, right. why do we want to give that stigma? I, I, don't, I don't believe that it's more of a show-off thing than anything else. I think people want to show, and they have the right to do it, so they're going to do it. You know, I have the right if I want to go take a dump downtown on the sidewalk, but I don't do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 all about it's all about having some common sense, and we're lacking that. Uh, I've I've read a lot on this issue, and there's and it goes both ways. People say, well, if you believe that it's safe, which I do, um, why would you have a problem? Well, it's not a problem of the actual second harm secondhand vapor that I'm worried about. Have you seen some of these clouds that are coming out of these people's mouths? You know, I mean, literally, you, you know, you you have you know a cloud coming out the size of, of of a VW. Right. I mean, it's it's just annoying. People sitting there trying to eat, you know, with your family, and you know this huge cloud that has nothing to do with secondhand vapor. It has to do with that you're a douchebag. Period. And that has to change. Now, it is your opinion that we don't need laws? You know what I'm saying? Like, why? See, right. this is what I hear. Some people are like, well, why are we fighting this band? You need to pick your battles because. You shouldn't vape in these buildings. You shouldn't vape in this thing. Um, we are, are we saying that we don't need laws, and or is the fact that it it that ban encompasses us with tobacco? Is that the core? I have never fought a ban. If let's say a city hall wants to ban vaping, it's their building. It's their right. They have every right to do it. What I have fought, and I have successfully won twice here in the state in local ordinances through the TSFA. I'm fighting when they're tying it in with tobacco. So both cases here, I went to the city hall and I said, listen, this is your building. You know, this is your city hall. If you want to ban vaping from here, I can't tell you otherwise. It's your right. It's your building. But what I can tell you is that you're not going to tie vaping into the no smoking ordinance simply because there's no smoke. You know, it emits no smoke and it contains no tobacco. So if you want to ban vaping, you're going to have to create its own ordinance right. where you restrict the use of electronic cigarettes. That's what I fight about. When it comes to private businesses, I think it should be their right if they want to allow vaping or not. The government shouldn't have to tell me. When they voted Tennessee here to be smoke-free in restaurants, they never asked me as a restaurant. They just passed a law. Right. I, I didn't have a choice in the matter. Where's the businesses to say, hey, listen, let, give me the option 
If I want to allow smoking in my restaurant, I can do it. It's my business. I pay my taxes. Right. Let me make that choice. That's what I'm, I'm against taking away the freedom of choice. I'm not saying that the laws, the laws are there for whatever reason they are, but word them right. If you tie it in with tobacco, you tie it in with smoking, then we're just as guilty as having a tobacco product. If you want to restrict the use, that's fine. Create its own ordinance that you cannot, you know, you restrict the electronic cigarette use under a new ordinance. Don't tie it into the no smoking, no tobacco. Gotcha. That's my stance. Always been my stance. Um, and I know that's not popular with some people, but that's what I'm, that's my opinion. And that's what I fight for. Um, all right, let's move on to some more uh, fun topics. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, 2015, you know, we're into this new generation, new products coming out. What are you excited about this new year? What, what have you seen, you know, innovation-wise that, that has come into your vaping journey that, that you said, oh, man, this is, a, this is a pretty cool thing? Wow. I don't know. There's, I, I'm still on board with the temperature control. I got to yeah. tell you, as that moves forward, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and again, nothing against Evolve. As other players, other chipsets yeah. come out, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I still use mechanicals a good bit, but I uh, I like the small, sleek, regulated devices. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you know, you see, I see you sometimes posting pictures of mechs and these drippers and all that. And then when you came to the restaurant today, you walk in with a regular device and a K phone, which is, you know, I have a vape all the time, you know. Right. And I got to say, that's organic. And I yeah. noticed it. And sometimes that's what that picture is about. Be right, like, right. Can you believe I left the house with no tube mods? Right. And then you never know. Three days later, I'm out with nothing but tube mods yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, no boxes. Right, right. So I definitely uh, like a little bit of everything. But really, when it's time to get out and I'm busy and I can't focus on building and dripping all the time, right. you know, I've got a little regulated device all the time. You know, I, th- I we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, low resistance tube mods and regulated vaping, okay? You know, low resistance was built to get maximum potential out of a mechanical mod. You know, out of a 3.7 volt battery, which was the standard, especially when I started vaping, a mechanical tube that was not regulated. The reason why we lower resistance to get better performance. I mean, you put a 3-ohm Bocardo on a mech mod, uh, you know, it's it's sputtering. Uh, you know, when Cisco came out with a 1.5-ohm atomizer, like, oh, this is this like, that was like a revelation for me. You know, I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, and as these resistances have dropped... We actually have seen a huge influx in regulated devices. I mean, we have devices out there now that are performing great, you know, 40, 60, 100, even 150 watts if you want it. But it seems like instead of the resistances going back up as they should because you're on a regulated device, the resistances are getting lower. So you have the struggle of like low resistance and high waters. Why do you think that is? I mean, do you think it's more of a placebo effect that people... I, I do. I think some people... Well, and this is what... And we've I've said it so many times in the past couple of weeks. Do you know how many people were able to get into vaping and put down tobacco cigarettes and they didn't have 120 watt devices. Sure. They weren't vaping at that low resistance used to be one point or even 2.2 and below. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a low resistance coil. Even for me about two years ago, um, I, I think they just hear it. And I, and I think it goes from juice from hearing that you need a quote unquote max BG because max isn't a number by the way. I think a lot of people think it is. It's a percentage, but it's not. Um, They just hear it. Their buddy says that the the Segeli 150 is what you should get and you should build because it fires down to a point two. So they they build a point two and they get a 150 and that's the way they go. They're not really fine tuning it, especially at the onset, I think. 
Right. And I think that there is a hobbyist side there, which is fine. And, and people that want to, you know, experiment and, you know, try, you know, all these builds and everything that's out there from a hobby standpoint, I get it. But from a performance level, I mean, for me, I get two days of battery life out of my 1.1 ohm or 1.2 ohm K fund that I build, you know, with an 18650 battery. Yep. If that was a 0.2 ohm, I'd have to have eight batteries with me to get through the entire day. So, I mean, just from a logistics standpoint, to me, makes absolute sense to have that fine balance of resistance and power. It just seems that it has, you know, it's, it's, it's so a little bit of placebo effect, a little bit of hype. Yeah. You know, you need to have that high wattage power and you need to have this low resistance to get the clouds. And it's not. It's about surface area. It's about how you position the coil. Mm-hmm. It's about the right, you know, combination, the airflow that comes into the atomizer. And, you know, again, going back to atomizers, as we said earlier, the atomizers, they're atomizers. You have the post holes. You have the bell. It's going to, you know, uh, you, you know, your chimney is going to determine the, the, your flavor. But ultimately, it comes down to your build skills and how the airflow comes in. Period. Right. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. Um, all right, three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine. Let's get into some more specifics now. We're an hour in deep uh, with JT from Vape Stars Network, VapeStars.com. Uh, this past week, uh, JT, I was in Washington, and this was a last kind of minute thing. Uh, we got informed of this uh, conference that was going on. It was the first time that they actually try to put a figure number for the pre market application, and and I found it really interesting. Um, it, it was it was a great conference. It was a one day conference up in Washington. Uh, well, actually in Falls uh, Church, Virginia, uh, about fifteen minutes out of Washington D.C. And um, the conference was put on by Sitmo. It's a small tobacco manufacturing association for uh, uh, companies that have employees of three hundred fifty and below, which automatically you know excludes the big tobacco companies, RJR and Altria, and all the companies that are out there. So, once again, representation from the vapor industry. Uh, very, very poor. <laughs> uh, it was me. Um, the uh, the gentleman from Ben Johnson's was there. Um, also, representative from uh, Mr. E Liquid, uh, Greg Connolly, Cynthia Cabrera, and Lou Ritter from Ames. Uh, I think that kind of rounded up the vapor category of, of people that were there, which I, it's a little bit unfortunate to me, JT. When I hear people saying, I didn't know about the conference or I didn't know about that, it's disheartening. You know, you have a multi-million dollar company. Uh, NJ was there. Um, you have a multi-million dollar company. You should have somebody that tells you, hey, there's a conference that I think we should attend. I mean, what the hell? Right. How are we going to get the information? And I, I'll i be honest with you, seeing some some of these larger shops, and these these are large businesses, folks. Yes, we're still probably small business sure, sure. and small business minded, but these are substantial companies with substantial budgets. Um, and I think a lot of people are starting to wake up and see that, okay, I've been hoarding some of this. I need to allocate this to different things, but you got to do it, you know, and, and I understand not everybody has the time to stay on Facebook or, you know, I- any of these websites, but you got to have somebody looking out for you and you got to be aware of these things and you got to show up. You got to show up. Absolutely. Chris Hughes was there. I'm, I apologize to, I apologize oh, to I like Chris. Chris. Chris is a great guy. Uh, he actually invited him to come. He stayed with me. He brought me potato chips from from his hometown. It's supposed to be like the the best potato chips in the world. Yeah, and uh, and we had a good time. We stayed up late. We talked a lot. I hadn't seen him in a while, so I really enjoyed hanging out with him. And Azim was there. Absolutely. Um, the purpose of obviously was to to go, you know, over the proposed deeming regulations, go over the path of pre market application, which fits our product. Well, it doesn't really fit our product. Let me let me just take that back. But it's the best avenue for our product. And also talked about state legislation. I talked about le- state legislation last week. I'm not going to bore you about it. But if you're in a state, most likely you have legislation. So be aware of what's going on. Um, Texas ongoing, Indiana ongoing, Washington ongoing. Arkansas was defeated today, uh, and uh, and hopefully I get Rob to call in here in a little bit and talk about it. 
anyway, uh, back to the to the proposed regulation. Now, what does the FDA deem uh, a tobacco product? Because whether you like it or not, <laughs> e-cigs will be a tobacco product. I don't know how more clear to say that, JT. Right. Why don't people get that? Now, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Right. Right? But it appears right now, as things stand right now, we don't have a choice. We're either going to be a tobacco product or we're going to be pharmaceutical. And we darn well don't want to be pharmaceutical. No. That route is impossible to take with our products. Yes. Um, so based on the Tobacco Control Act, the definition of tobacco products, any product made or derived from tobacco that is intended for human consumption, including any component, part, or accessory of a tobacco product, um, except for raw materials other than tobacco used in manufacturing a component, part, or accessory of a tobacco product. Uh, this chapter applies to all cigarettes, cigarette tobacco, roll your own tobacco, and smokeless tobacco, and to any other tobacco products that the secretary by regulation deems to be subject. Um, obviously, electronic cigarettes is part of that equation. Products, of course, containing non-tobacco-derived nicotine would not be covered by the deeming regulations. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not there yet. We as far as and people need to know this, people keep saying, "Oh, I'll get a bunch of eggplants, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get some some nightshades. I'll get some tomatoes." Understand that is, and 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 I'm not speaking from a scientific standpoint, but that's not logical, right? So that's not an option, right? To uh, this was dissected at Tampa, and somebody said that to get nicotine to fill your K fund right now, which is approximately four meals, uh, you would need to harvest 175 pounds of eggplant to get nicotine enough to fill your your k fund up right now that's, that's a lot that's great that's a lot of eggplant bro uh <laughs> but um but anyway here we go so uh talking about accessories and components and parts because this is important a lot of people say that devices won't you know tom baker has been you know i think that some devices will have to be regulated especially the devices that are sold as an e-cig because we're seeing it as modified devices and mods, but keep in mind that there's a lot of devices out there that are sold as an e-cig, and that contains all the components. It's the battery, the tank, the atomizer coil, the drip tip. It's all one part of an electronic cigarette, and that's how it's being sold. So here under the definition, items not included as part of finished tobacco products or intended, expected to be used by consumers in consumption of tobacco product. These are accessories. Items used in storage or personal possession of deemed product. For example, hookah tongs, bags, cases, charcoal burners and holders, cigar foil cutters, humidors, carriers, and lighters. Those are accessories that are not deemed under the Tobacco Control Act. But components in part that would be regulated include as part of a finished tobacco product or intended for consumer use and consumption of tobacco product. That is such a wide definition. Right. To me, any device that is attached to a tank, an atomizer, a dripper, is the intention of it is for the consumer to use to consume the tobacco product, which is e-liquid in this case. Right. Right? Um, they should take into account whether a tobacco product can effectively be consumed, cons- be consumed without such item. We can't consume e-liquid without a device. So how can that not fall under the component part equation of regulating this product? Yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Um, tubes, papers, pouches, flavorings, e cartridges is what they, they claim here for part of the component parts. All they're, they're talking about e cartridges. And I think there's, if you remember, the, the people that have followed this show for a while, do you remember what I told you a year and a half ago that this has been predetermined what the FDA is going to do? Anyway, I'll touch, I'll touch on it a little bit uh, later. 
All right, so the applicable requirements, adulteration and misbranding prohibitions, domestic establishment registration and product listing, uh, ingredient reporting, ban on modified risk descriptors if you're making claims without approval, and ban on free samples other than accessories. All this is under the CTP right now, under the Controlled Tobacco Act, and when e-cigs are deemed a tobacco products, all of these will be required, just as they are now with tobacco cigarettes that are on the market. Also covered in that, national minimum purchase of age uh, 18, package and advertising warning statements, uh, ban on electronic and mechanical device sales, vending machines, you know, you want just like we have ban on cigarette machines right now, uh, labeling requirements, health document retentions and submission, pre-market review and user fees. This is all part of what you're going to be required to have your product on the market. Is that easy to understand, JT? Not at all. <laughs> I mean, it's it's... It's it's part of this equation that's really frustrating to me is like here you have it it's written for you we have the CTP already in front of us we know what's going to be required by the government when it comes to your product why not take the necessary steps now which makes sense from a financial standpoint you can invest now where it's cheap and you're making a lot of money you're making a lot of profit take some of that money and put it back into your business and try to meet some of these guidelines that way when the shit does hit the fan you'll be at least prepared and and I'm not seeing it I really I really am not seeing it out there. Uh, warnings, of course, for your nicotine content containing um, products and so forth and so forth. I see more and more, you know, everybody's taking this route of the hype and the labeling and nobody's paying attention to what the law is. And this is the law. I'm talking to you about the law. Right. Why not do it now? Why not have your product there on the market now? It's going to help the registration process. It's going to help people get off our back that we're not promoting to kids. But- it's going to set precedents also. Sure, You're sure. going to set a good example for other people that are teetering on the edge. They don't have this identity. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to be able to say, wow, that did it. That worked. I see the logic in that. Help me do that. And they'll be there to help. It was brought up during this conference what was not included in the deeming regulation uh, proposal. And, of course, the, the, the flavor thing is something that everybody's talked about. Why didn't the FDA include flavors? Uh, there was not a ban on advertising sponsorship branded items. There was not a ban on internet sales and no ban on front counter or self-service displays. Why wasn't that there? Well, the FDA does not have jurisdiction on this product. It has not deemed it a tobacco product. So once they deem it, it opens up the door, just like they do now. You don't see any flavored cigarettes anymore, right? Yeah. So once, it, once it's deemed a tobacco product, all of this can come into play. Right. And and this could happen, you know, overnight, really. After the product is deemed a tobacco product, then all of this can come into play. Um, which moves me ahead. <laughs> yeah, we need to I'm going to talk about that Chelsea. That's a great point and I talked about it with JT earlier. Yep. Um th- this brings me up to the point that we do need our own category. Everything that is set now in stone based on this product and based on the existing laws does not fit our category. And why? Because I'm going to talk about the pre-market application. Now, there's two ways that you can bring a product. Well, there's three ways, actually. A new product, which forget about it. That's not going to happen. There's a substantial equivalence uh, application that you can do, which is based on products that are existing on the market. And then there's a pre-market tobacco application, which is most likely the path that, that this, in, this, this category fits under that quota. It fits under that pre-market application, right? Uh, why can't we have substantial equivalency? Well, the date has been set back in 2007. I think the exact date is, um, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, anyway, sometime back in 2007, there is no product on the market today that existed back in 2007. There's nothing, absolutely nothing 
that you can you know submit to the FDA and say, hey, this electronic cigarette, this was on the market back in 2007, and I'm filing an application that this meets that same definition, and you should allow it on the market. This was very, very smart. That date was very, very smart because everything that has come on this market now, I mean, products are innovating monthly now. Forget about yearly or seven years at this point, five, eight years. Um, you cannot substantially equivalent, equivalent, have equivalent products right now that fit that model. Having said that, it brings up this question that I have asked to many regulators that if you look at, you know, uh, a 901 or, you know, a 404 that was on the market, uh, 401, whatever it was called back in 2007, Look at the concept. It was a battery. It was an atomizer coil, a little sponge, which was the tank, I guess, to hold the e-liquid and the drip tip, right? So we have this. We have this battery. This is what an e-cig looked in 2007. Now, fast forward to 2015. In my hands now, I have a DNA device, which is the battery. I have a K-Fun, which is the tank. I have a coil that's built inside there, which is the atomizer coil that was back in 2007. And I have a drip tip. The concept is exactly the same. It's just bigger, better, better performing, longer lasting. But you, you can't disagree with me, JT, that this is an e-cig. Right. In, in essence, you're right. You can hold that, or, or mechanical mod, you hold that sideways, and you like you did for me earlier, put a, a cig-alike above it, and you can draw lines, and you can draw parallels. It's like, well, this is where that is housed. This is where this is housed. I don't know if that's, obviously, you know, there's no quick answer to all of this, but... According to the substantial equivalency pathway, the concept is to compare a new tobacco product to appropriate predicate product either commercially marketed in the United States as of 2015-2007 or previously found to be substantially equivalent to grandfathered product. Again, this is a little bit vague. I'm not saying that there's not a possibility that it might happen, but... Legally, if we challenge this ruling and say that, listen, we are equivalent, it's the same thing, it's only bigger and better, we might have a chance. But that's going to take a lawsuit, I believe, <laughs> a very, very expensive lawsuit to be able to to uh, to get through. Um, other stuff that you have to do for the substantial uh, equivalency pathway in order to, you know, let's say you're going to go that route, which is you know virtually impossible. Um you have to submit at least 90 days before planned marketing of the new tobacco product. There's no deadline for the FDA action. Uh, there's no performance measures in place. Uh, there's three phases of review, administrative, predicated review, and scientific with opportunities to address the deficiencies in your product. You have to submit a cover letter, a summary section, listings of design features, ingredients, and materials, description of the heating source, description of composition, comparison of other features, Statement regarding the compliance with the product standards. Statement or submission to comply with FDA C-910. Environmental assessment. Documentation of predicate products, grandfather status, and additional supportive data. <sighs> Boy, that's going to be really hard. <laughs> it's going to be really hard to, to, to make a, a, you know application for a sub-tank and meet all this criteria to go down the substantial equivalent pathway. Um, you know, there's just... There's insufficient support of predicates validity, and I think this is the biggest key. It's going to be very hard for us to prove that these devices today match or equivalent to the devices that were on the market 2007, period. I just don't think that it's going to happen. Um, so let's move on to the pre-market application because that is the concept that I think that most of these companies are looking for, and I think some of the big, bigger companies that are out there, and I'm talking to you smaller companies, you should be listening to this stuff. You should be listening to these smaller tobacco companies that have e-cigs on the market because they're looking down this route to go to, to, to file a, what's called a pre-market application. 
The pre-market application must demonstrate that the new tobacco product is appropriate for protection of the public health. Again, that's very vague. You know, I mean, how do you demonstrate that it is appropriate for the protection of public health? Included in that, the FDA must consider risks and benefits to population as a whole, including users and non-users of tobacco products. So basically, the FDA has to determine the, the product that you're applying for, which is an e-cig, and you want to get an application for, what risks and benefits does it have to the population as a whole? And not only take in consideration smokers, as we're promoting this product, take in consideration non-smokers as well, too. And what effect it's going to have on the health of the population? How can you determine that? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's mind boggling. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this Where is how start? this is how difficult this this process is. And people that say, well, you know, I'm going to get a lab and I'm going to pay a million dollars for my product. Well, listen, dickheads, it's not that easy. Yeah, stop saying it. Okay, listen, look at the law and look what it takes to, put, to fill out a pre-market application. It's not that easy, and you have to do this with every product that every SKU that you have and that you sell. It's extremely difficult. I haven't even got started yet. This was just the first paragraph. This is the, the pathway concept of putting a pre-market application. Okay? What's up, Kevin? Nice to see you. All right. Moving ahead. The FDA also must consider increased or decreased likelihood that existing users of tobacco products will stop using uh, such products and increased or decreased likelihood that those who do not use tobacco products will start using such products. So they have to make the determination. Your product that you're putting on the market how is it going to help people, let's say, quit combustible tobacco? But how many people are going to start? And don't tell me that not, don't tell me that people that have never smoked before are not starting to vape. Right. Because I'm not buying that bullshit, no, no, JT. We, we all know that, and we have to accept it. Right. We have to accept that the fact that there's people that see clouds and they think it's cool, and they go there and they start vaping. But the key here is that with the application of your product, you have to submit data that shows what your product does. And the FDA must take in consideration if it's going to create a new generation of users and how it's going to help people transition from combustible tobacco. I think we have sufficient data out there, and I wish there was more studies. We need some more studies that show that the product helps people get off cigarettes, okay? But we definitely don't have any data of initiation of use, and it's happening, right? And we're getting accused of it more and more and more. Um, so let's talk about how you apply, okay? <laughs> you have to submit an application to the FDA. The FDA may refer application to Tobacco Product Scientific Advisory Committee, the TEPSAC. The FDA must act within 180 days of receipt. So at day 179, after you submitted your application and you spent this money, the FDA can say, uh, we'll reject your application. This can happen, and it has happened. It has happened, all right? Now, along with your application, you must submit full reports of all investigations of health risks of a new tobacco product. How many companies are out there that have this? JT, take a wild guess. <laughs> How many companies have already have reports of health risks of the new tobacco product that they're putting out there? I'm going to say there's not a lot. Yeah, not you many know. at all. <laughs> Full statement of components, ingredients, additives, properties, and principles uh, of operation of such tobacco product. I think this is the easiest one, right. right? I mean, we can get an ingredient listing, the components, the heating element, the battery. I think we can apply all that. <laughs> I love that. How to apply bend over. This is great. <laughs> you could have saved me this entire show. I could have just said that. Yeah. How do you apply? Bend yeah, over. Just take it. Right, just take it. 
Uh, all right. So number two, which was the you know the full statement of components, I think that is the easiest part of it, right? Uh, moving ahead, full description of methods, facilities, and controls used in manufacture, processing, packing, and installation of the product. So <laughs> it's a monster right there. That right there is a huge monster because we don't have any standards. No, we don't. Ha- there's not a standardized industry of how we're creating e-liquid. There's there's not a standardized you know process of how we put a new malt to the market. Whether it comes from China or whether it comes from here, I think both are flawed. Right. We don't have a standardized on how the the, the products come into the market. And they're going to see that right. Say they even get that far into this process, they're going to start seeing that it runs the gamut from right. a machine shop in a garage to overseas. Import- Imports and they're going to shut down. You know, they're they're, they're going to be like, "What the hell is all this?" And that is the easiest thing for them to do, by the way. Absolutely. All right, moving ahead. Explanation of how product complies with any applicable tobacco product standards. Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, how do we explain that our product complies with applicable tobacco standards when we're not a fucking tobacco product? You know, here's the problem: we have to use the standards of what tobacco manufacturing. We're not a tobacco product. Yeah, we don't chop tobacco. We don't chop tobacco. We put don't, it in paper. We don't, we don't pick tobacco. We don't. No. You know, we don't do none of that stuff. So how are we supposed to apply based on comparable tobacco product standards? Number five: samples of product and components. All right, that's an easy one. You're going to submit, you know, a product of your, you know, whatever you're making. By the way, I'm still reading down the list of the path to pre-market application. I'm reminding you: if you're a vendor, manufacturer. Pay close attention. I'm still on the list. Number six, specimens of proposed labeling. This is a great one. I love this one. Specimens of proposed. This is your proposed label that you're going to put on there. I'm asking you folks that are in the chat right now. I'm asking you guys that are on replay, and I'm asking you, JT. Out of the labels that are out there right now in the market, you know, you've been to a lot of shops. God, yeah, I know you've seen tons of lead liquid that's out there. Yeah. Out of the labels that are there on the market right now, there are people just selling. I saw a couple of labels on Facebook the other day that were handwritten, sold into a shop, handwritten, not even with a Sharpie, just like a regular, just, it just ran off when the e-liquid get out. So how many of those labels do you think would qualify under the pre-market application? Shit. Two percent, maybe five percent. I, I think, <laughs> I think you're, I think you're on the high side. <laughs> I really oh do. I think you're on the high side. You know, I just don't think that enough has been done within the industry to correct Again, that. That's the easiest establish thing. any kind of consistency. That is the easiest part. Is your label right? It might not be as sexy. It might not be as appealing. But you have the CTP guidelines. We know what the CTP guidelines are going to ask for on your label. Why not do it now? Well, it could be. Now, see, I find different things sexy than some people, mm-hmm. right? I, I think a, a classy response, you know, a classy, understated, you know, I think that's sexy. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't jump for the, the cartoon stuff. I know right. some people do, and, and I get it. That's their sure, idea sure. of sexy and it's stuff fun. like that. But no, man, there's there's no way. How can we really think that we're going to push that sample of, uh, of a label through? Let's... Number seven, <laughs> the labeling bugs me. It bugs the hell out of me mm-hmm. um, because it's something so easy, man. It's something that people could have done already. Smudge proof labels, put your information on there, put the address where the juice is being made, You know, put your appropriate warnings on there. That's not hard to do. It's a printer for crying out loud. Right. Program your little thing and print the damn thing out. Why yeah. not do it now? Does it, I just don't know why people want to do that. And you can make some really appealing 
labels sure. that would fall into this. I promise you, there's many out there, but there's some really sure, great-looking sure. branding going on that's very sure. responsible. Scratch and sniff. That's a great idea. Scratch the label <laughs> and smell the, the liquid that's in there. That's fantastic. I'm going to patent that, by oh. the way. Bonsai, I'm going to patent that. I got something you can scratch. <laughs> oh, easy now. <laughs> Phil might be listening. All right. Oh, Number seven. Again, I'm reminding you, this is the pathway to pre-market application. Pathway to pre-market application. Um, number seven, any other relevant info that the FDA may require? What? What? <laughs> talk about <laughs> talk about vague, vague book right there. I mean, what does that mean? What is the what is the you know the FDA has just a free reign of you know whatever we're going to ask? It's not you know you don't know you don't know what you're going to ask, but you know it's there. So if they see something in the application they don't like. They might just create, you know, their own stuff and say, well, you, don't, you didn't submit enough info with your application. Let me see what Russ has to say about that. Well, get your shit together, brother. Come on. Talk to me. I'm ready. That's right. That's right, Russ. I agree with you. Number eight. We're still going. We're still going. Yeah. Nicole, you're absolutely right. That's a broad fucking statement. No it really shit. is. Number eight. By the way, all about vapor was there too. I forgot to say that. I just I don't want him to feel like I left him out. But Sean was there, and Courtney was from All About Vapor as well too. Um, number eight, this is a biggie to me. Environmental assessment. Who in this industry has done environmental assessment of their products? What impact do we have to the environment? Who? Tell me one company or one one group of people, even you know the Ameses or whatever. Whatever you want to put it out there. I'm not bashing Ames. I'm just putting it out there as a name. Who has done an environmental assessment of their products? Mm, crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Right. How hard is it for this industry to set up a damn recycle bin in your shop? Right. Set up two shops, two bins, right? One for batteries and one for empty bottles. Who has done that? When have you, I mean, I shouldn't say everybody, again, because I have that mistake where I try to bash everybody, but I'm not. But I'm going to say the majority of the shops out there, how easy it for you to set up a bin, say, put all your discarded batteries inside here and all your discarded bottles inside here and let me recycle them. Not many, no. right? If, if none at all in some areas. So... Environmental assessment is part of the path to pre-market application. Take it seriously. Also, along with that, the FDA draft guidance recommends that you submit a cover letter, an executive summary, and detailed explanation of how data and info submitted supports APPH finding, including comparison of product to others currently to the market. Now, this is huge in my opinion. I think that last statement if we use what Dr. F has been preaching for the last three years doing research is that we also we always have to compare e-cigs to traditional combustible tobacco. All that has to be submitted with the application. I think what you need to do is you need to show that compared to the tobacco products that are on the market, our product is at least, at least 95% less harmful. That's why all the studies that are being done out there by the antis never compare it to combustible tobacco. Never. And it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Do you get it now? Do you get it why this industry has to do science and has to do testing and always compare it to combustible tobacco? They're not doing it for us, and they never will. You get you know results of formaldehyde. 
but nobody says that there's an acceptable level from out the high that right. you can inhale every day, yeah, there's right? There's no baseline whatsoever. There's no baseline whatsoever. Okay, so you're testing it from from out the high. Why don't you test a tobacco cigarette with it and give us the results? Never. In we, our side, we do it. We always try to do our testing compared to combustible tobacco. You always have to show, you know, what the modified risk here is. Unfortunately, we haven't done enough, in my humble opinion. So far, <laughs> so far, pathway. To pre-market application, I should, I should make like a little mighty tune of that. Yeah. Pathway to pre-market application. It's the pathway, baby. In the last seven years, zero applications have been approved. Four have been submitted. Four. Four. Zero applications have been approved. Stated by the FDA because they will not give you specific instructions on why. Insufficient listing of ingredients, additives, and properties. Insufficient manufacturing information and labeling specimen. And lack of statement regarding compliance with FDSC, FDCA 907 standard. What the burden for the FDA is. Estimated 5,000 hours. 4,800 of those spent on scientific investigations. Um, yeah, who applied? That's a good question. Tobacco companies. <laughs> Tobacco companies. Um, what the FDA estimates is that they're going to get initially between 20 to 80 pre-market applications. Between 20 and 80 pre-market applications once they deem e-cigs a tobacco product. And then they expect 10 to 20 applications annually after that. So, <laughs> so basically, they expect approximately 80 people are going to submit applications. I don't know if you noticed today when we were walking through the store, we have 64 flavors. <laughs> we're one company. <laughs> you know, there's 6,000 different mods out there. There's 15,000 at least different e-liquids out there. Yeah. How do they expect to get 20 to 80 pre-market applications? Because that's what they're planning on taking. So here is my prediction, boys. You ready? This is my prediction. The reason why they expect 20 to 80 applications is because we just can't comply. We can't comply. Even down the path of pre-market application, there's only going to be a few companies that are going to be able to apply successfully. That's a key. I mean, anybody can apply. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're going to be accepted. So if they're expecting 20 to 80 pre-market applications... Once again, as I said on this program a year and a half ago, and as I said on the Vape Team show almost two and a half years ago, it's documented, it's up there, you can go search and find it, the outcome of the FDA regulations have been predetermined. They have been predetermined. They know exactly what they're doing. They're going to put us in a course where only RJR, Altria, maybe a couple of companies, Mystic, Logic, Enjoy might be another one, are going to be able to comply. Period. The outcome of the FDA regulations have been predetermined. I don't care if you believe me. That's my opinion. Can we change that? I think we can. But it's going to take a huge lawsuit. We need to take this product off the control, Tobacco Control Act. Period. It needs its own category. With what we have existing, with past the pre-market applications, substantial equivalency under the CTP, we're fucked. 
We're fucked, JT. That's all I can say. I know. I, I, I can't put a positive spin on that part. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I I, I I'm fucking digging deep, bro. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, where would they get that number from? You know, if you were outside of the industry looking in and learning about the vaping industry and how many, how many brands and businesses and, and the money and how many shops – you would never guess. We'll we'll guess about sixty or eighty will come through. You would you would say, bro, they're probably going to get hit with like five thousand the first week. They're like, no, nah, we expect eighty. They haven't been they haven't been to ECC, I guess, when there was like three hundred fifty exactly. companies selling illegal over there. They, they're not even staffing that department. They're not even worried about it. It seems, but it appears to me exactly. I think you're absolutely right. I think that they're not taken in consideration because they simply think that they're not going to be able to apply. And if that is the case, you know, everything that we've been doing so far is going to go down the drain. Now, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, okay? I think that we have a slight possibility, at least for some companies, to comply. But the way everything sits now with the grandfather date and the pre-market application, I don't think anybody from our side of the industry, and when I say our side of the industry, I'm talking about the vaping community, has a chance to file and be accepted under the pre-market application. That is the path. It's the path to the we are fucked lane. Taking applications right now. I hate to be this somber, but it's the truth. I just read the whole damn thing. By the way, financials was the first time, this was the first meeting that I went, the conference that was supposed to have financials attached to the path to pre-market application, right? And there was two ladies that came up there, uh, and they were kind of like trying to sell their company as well, too. They allowed a lot of this testing and stuff like that. And and I was really excited to hear a number, but the number was so vague <laughs> that it really doesn't make any difference. Like, the one lady said that, you know, part of the scientific data that you have to submit on your product application could be anywhere from 100 to 350,000. So, and that's, that's a huge gap between 100 and 300. That's just for one portion of your application. And then on the legal side, between 70 and 180,000. So, I mean, we're looking about half a million dollars, you know, anywhere from, I guess, the way that they said it, anywhere from 250 to $500,000. It's just way too vague. Nobody knows. Nobody can put a number on it the way that it sits now. Um, but I do have some good news. Right? Um Mitch Zeller has said multiple times that they're exploring options at the CTP for an expedited pre-market review policy based on principle of relative toxicity and risk. All right, so this is a pre, an expedited, uh, an expedited path to pre-market application based that the product is less harmful, based on the toxicity and the risk that the po- the product poses, and I'm sure that's going to have its own, you know. Christmas tree, uh, you know, ornaments attached to it. It's not going to be that easy, but I think it's going to be easier than the pre-market application if it becomes a reality based on the toxicity and the risk that the product has for the general population. And that makes sense to me. Let's put the product on the market, kind of like they do with some of these pills, uh, JT. Like, they, you know, some of the pharmaceuticals, right. they'll put a pill out there, even though they're not 100% sure of the long-term use, just because it has a short-term use effect. Uh, and then after 10 years, if people are dying and they're suing the FDA, they'll remove it from the, or they'll put a black box market, a, right. <laughs> a black box a warning on the, you know, like the, um, um, like Chantix has a black box warning on it now. So if we are able to get this accelerated path to pre-market application where we can get our products on the market at a reasonable price, that might be the way to go. But to back that up, 
we need some science. We need enough data out there to say that our product, the way that it sits right now, does not pose a risk, and it is less toxic, and it is less harmful versus the other tobacco products that are on the market. That makes sense for our product. Even though I'm not completely satisfied with it, I think it's something that I could work with. It's something that I, you know, at least we can keep our products on the market and do some more testing and invest on it. Again, we don't know how much it's going to cost. We don't know what's going to be attached to it, what exactly you're going to have to submit with it. If every company is going to have to do their own scientific testing, if it has to be, you know, testing done in a general, you know, product category, I find it hard. I find it hard for 6,000 companies to submit an application to the FDA based on, you know, a same study and the the FDA saying, okay, well, we're just going to approve 6,000 applications. I just don't think it's going to be possible. What do you think, JT? No. We're fucked, right? That's what you're it, I'm a, I, I, it, it's looking that way. I, I'm absorbing all of this, and this is—it's such valuable information. But you know, other people need to get this and absorb it in their own way, and and right. and bring heads together. You know, a lot of people think in different ways, and it could be beneficial. But we all got to powwow on this stuff instead of one guy going or five right. guys out of five thousand going. Um, staying with the PMTAs. Uh, of course, if there's no predicate information, which is the substantial equivalency report, you must follow PMTA. Um, the request to comment on what data FDA should request in PMTAs to address whether flavors raise different questions of public health are appropriate for the protection of public health. This might fall down to the pre, the accelerated path that I told you that Ms. Zeller was talking about. Okay, well, we're going to give you an application as long as your product does not have flavors, it's just tobacco and menthol. That could be one of the stipulations, which sucks. Because it would kill this industry, uh, so a lot of that has to take in, into into consideration. Good evening, Bruce. Um, Jonathan JT Vape Stars is with me here today. Um, finally, I want to talk about the compliance dates because a lot of people are saying, "Well, after the deeming rule comes out, we have two years," which is partially true on on some of the stuff. But I want to tell you about the compliance dates, just in case you had that in your mind. Where, okay, well, when the deeming regulations come out, I have two years to make money and get out of it. Okay, it's not that easy. All right, so the age restrictions will take. Uh, the sampling ban and the vending machine will take day, the compliance day will be 30 days from publication of final rule. So it's not two years. Once the rule becomes, de- when, once the deeming rules, be- when it becomes a rule, when the deeming regulations become a rule, I lost my train of thought, within 30 days, it's not two years, you can't sample the product. If you're selling liquid in a vending machine or whatever, that goes away. And the age restriction takes into effect 30 days after the publication. Registration and listing specified by the FDA based on date of publication of final rule. So whenever the final rule comes out, that's when you're going to have to submit your application or registration listing of your product. The ingredients listing in the health document submission, you have six months from the effective date, six months from the effective date plus 30 days from publication of final rule. So initially, essentially, you have seven months from when the rule goes into effect to submit your health documents and your ingredient listing. It's not two years, folks, okay? Uh, established name misbranding, you have one year from effective date. Modified risk descriptors, you have one year from effective date plus 30 days to clear out any inventory. Uh, name, place of business, net quantity, percent of foreign tobacco, sale only allowed in the U.S. 24 months after publication of final rule. And then the warnings, 24 months after publication of final rule, plus 30 days to clear out any inventory. That goes for the manufacturers only. Um, 
there might be a case where this happened back in the 80s with the tobacco companies. There might be a case where they give a little extra time to smaller companies, not RJR and Altria, which obviously can comply with this overnight, but they might give some more extra time for smaller companies as well, too. But if you had this mindset that, okay, I'm going to wait for the FDA to drop, then I have two years free roll, it's not true, okay? Because some of the stuff will have to take into consideration what the ruling says. So that was my experience at the conference. The information that I'm sharing here with you, I'm doing it to educate you. I'm trying to get you into the mindset of what we have to face. Ultimately, I have to keep reiterating to you, it's not the end of the world, but we have to do something now as an industry, JT. We have to bond together. Not one company, well, aside from RJR and Altria, right, not one company will sustain and all of them will go out of business. All of us will go out of business. Vaping as we know it will cease to exist if everything stays the way that it is now. And that's unfortunate. Ian, if you can call in, I would certainly appreciate it. I want to get your, your thoughts on on what happened at, uh, at Erie, Pennsylvania. I mean, excuse me, Erie, uh, New York, Erie County, New York, uh, 347-308-8329, press 1. So, JT, did I depress you enough? I mean, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll rebound pretty quick. Uh, uh, I'll refill this Red Bull. No, nah, it, it, it's it's somber, but, you know, like you said, advocacy isn't fun. It doesn't claim to be. But government work and, and these things aren't fun either. They're not here to be our vaping buddies. Uh, they never will be. You know, the best we can hope for is the best we can hope for. I, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a difficult proposition. You know, obviously there's a lot of money there involved. And, you know, all these rulings are happening for a special reason. Because we're taking a lot of money away from people dying, which is, you know, it sucks. It's unfortunate. Absolutely. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I didn't used to think so. Yeah. But I think recently, I, I think it's become far more apparent that we are making a dent at this right, point. Right, right, All right. Let me see if I can get Ian here on the line. Uh, Ian, you're live on Smoke Free Radio. What's up? All right. Do you hear feedback? No, no. We can hear you. What's going on? I hear myself twice. Well, you need to turn off your radio then. You can hear us through the through the through the phone line. Okay, there we go. All right, what's going on, buddy? All right. Um, tell us, tell us first what the tell thing? us. For, hold on a second, Ian. Tell us first what the proposal was in in Erie County. All right. Um, I won't get too complicated, but basically, what they were doing was they were trying to modify a uh, fire code law from, I believe, the late 70s to uh, constitute something along the lines of um, the effective effective uh, outcome would be to redefine smoking to also include vaping, but it was under some sort of pretense of uh, um, something with the fire code. It was absolutely ridiculous. The, uh, the end result would also um, require vape shops to register under the um, the guise of, of being uh, accepting that they were carrying tobacco products mm-hmm. and, and basically agreeing that uh, you know w- what they're carrying is just as harmful as cigarettes. Right. Um, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see what Russ thinks about that. Fuck that shit. Yeah, I agree with you, Russ. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, so. The, the first thing that I think is, is really important is that um, the person who proposed this, 
Uh, I believe his name was Michael Savage, but I could be wrong. It was his first name, maybe not me, Michael, but it was mm-hmm. Savage something. Um, and Erie County legislator, and his verbatim his statement where he said why this should be banned was. Well, it kind of looks like a cigarette, right. <laughs> and I don't like it, so I don't think we should let anybody use it in public. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm not even kidding. No, I believe but it. I, I've been hearing this from other people across the country, too. It's like they, their legislators are just like, oh, it looks like cigarettes. We should ban sure. it. Yeah, that was in Boca. A lady didn't yep. like the smell of the strawberry vapor right. that she smelled. Absolutely. And so, oh, let me, let me throw a ban their way. Are you fucking right. kidding me? I don't like your perfume, lady. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, and I... So... Um, they they had gone a few times, uh, uh, some of the Erie County stores. I'm actually in Nyer County, and I'm not in Erie County, mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, not Pennsylvania, by the way. Yeah, um, hey, my bad. I had gone uh, to, to, I had attempted to go to the last meeting, but um, long story, it, it didn't work out. Right. Um, it seems like what happened was the legislators had people show up, and they, they all wanted to give their their story. They all wanted to say, oh, you know, electronic cigarettes and vaping helped me quit. Right. And, you know, my I mom, about that earlier, my mom could have yeah. died from cancer and, and you know, uh, she, she got saved by these. Or maybe my mom died from cancer and she could have got saved by these. But I got saved and uh, I just want you to know that vaping is a great thing because it saved my life. Right. And I knew, I knew first, the first time I heard one of those stories, I knew right off the bat, these people are going to go, uh-huh, okay, uh, who's next right. on the list? Right, right, right. They don't care. Right. They really, they just don't care. They don't care because um, literally anybody could walk in there and say, well, you know, when I vape, uh, you know, it gives me perfect straight A's in my college courses, and uh, vaping uh, makes me awesome. It just it makes me an it awesome It gives me an erection. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. You can literally just... It, like you could be saying anything. Right. They, there's no, there's no proof to anything that anybody's anecdotal story is, and despite the fact that uh, proof doesn't seem to be a huge weight for a lot of these issues, sure. Logic unfortunately, does, right? what we what we what we have to do is we have to really steer away from the from the hey you know I I use vaping and it helped me quit smoking and uh, here's my story about that that kind of stuff. It's great for for helping other people quit smoking. It's great for helping other people transition. But when it comes to talking to legislators, you have to just let that go. It really doesn't help. And I watched person after person walk up to the table, sit down in front of the Erie County executive and give out their story. Um, Nyer Kayaker in the chat there, I'm sure he can uh, uh, attest to this. It was great. We had lots of great stories. We had a guy there who has gone so many times now and given such great stories and, and tried so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave a, it, just an awesome story today and, and cried, and, and it was a great, great story. But at the end of the day, he gave, uh, uh, out of his four or five minutes that he talked, he gave three minutes of story. 30 minutes of thank yous, or I'm sorry, 30 seconds of thank yous, and then 30 seconds of things that should have been the entire thing. Yeah. And um, when I got in there to sign the list, um, that they were going down the list of people to talk, I, I w- was being flagged by people across the room to go, go sign the sheet, and I knew, you know, I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody in there that I really didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. And I waited, and there they were, right on time. For, for for where their purposes. Okay. Five minutes late and ten minutes late yeah. where a man from the Niagara Erie um, 
Clean Air Act yeah. and, and anti-smoking. Um, and then two people from the American Cancer Society with their smug backpacks and their little stylus tablets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they sat there with their hands on their chins and, and smiled the whole time, waiting to get their chance to talk. They signed in, and then I made my way across the room, and I signed in directly behind them. They talked. Everybody gave great stories. A few people made good points. One guy made the great point about the the fog machines, like, oh, how come we're not including fog machines into this? Mm -hmm. They vape the same thing that everything else does. You know, you you guys are, it's either one or the other. Okay, well, you know, they might shrug their shoulders, but they really don't care. Um, But when these people came up, uh, the thing that I, to this to this very moment, and I was just talking to Steve about this a little while ago. To this very moment, it just it makes me so so enraged <laughs> that these people could sit there and just say lie after lie. Right, right. The 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 um, the Clean Air Act guy went on to say something like, "Oh well, sixty percent of smokers prefer to actually work in clean air." Oh, that's Everybody nice. wants to work in fucking clean air. Are you kidding me? Right. I, I I just oh, and then the ladies from the American Cancer Society sat there and threw out these awesome facts about how vaping has chromium and magnesium in it, and when you vape, uh, it it causes cancer. Like they like they would have any way of knowing that. When you vape, um, you know the secondhand vapor. Uh, there's already studies coming. I, she said some long lines of there's already studies coming out showing that secondhand vapor is just as harmful to bystanders as uh, car exhaust right. or something along right, those right. lines. Uh, it just so 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 infuriated me. And when I got up to the table to talk, I had to. I had to restrain myself because I was sure. going to explode. Sure. And um, I, I literally, I, I didn't bring any materials in. Um, the the gentleman from Pennsylvania who came, I believe his name is Bill. Bill Godshaw. Gladshaw. Godshaw. Yeah, he he was, he was great. He yeah. had a great he had a great speech. Um, he had it typed up on, on some sheets of paper and, and read it off, and it was it was really good stuff. Um, but he didn't focus on what what I thought was the most poignant and most important thing. I said, I had to say, listen, everywhere you go in Erie and Niagara County, if they don't want you to vape, they tell you, don't vape here. And if you start vaping, they ask you to stop. If you're in a business and they don't do that, maybe they're not sure. But honestly, that's a problem we can rectify real quick, and it's very, very few and far between. When I go to the Sabres Stadium to see a game or to see a concert... They stop you at the door and say, if you have an electronic cigarette or vaping device, please don't use it in here. You will be asked to leave immediately. Right. And if you don't comply, You're getting kicked we will out. have you removed. Sure. And the fact is that they're, they're putting this ban through, right? And, and this ban is a step going from where we are now to having a, a law saying that this is illegal. Right. But where we are now actually is where we need to be. If you don't want somebody in your establishment to be vaping, you can post a sign. Right. You can ask them not to do it. If they refuse, they are um, legally falling under disorderly conduct, and you can then call the police and sure, have them removed. it's a private business. People don't understand that. We don't that. need to take it right. any further. Right, right. We don't need to go any further. The only reason to go that extra step further that they're proposing at this meeting was literally to discriminate against people who are vaping, 
and also very, very clearly to put up a roadblock for people who are still smoking to say, well, if the government says that it's, it's just as bad for you as right. smoking, you know, because that is what they're saying in this. Right. If they're saying that it's just as bad for you as smoking, I, maybe there's just no reason to bother. Absolutely. I'll just keep smoking cigarettes and I'll never give it a try. Absolutely. That is the, that is the biggest problem with, with proposals like that. They're misleading the public and they're actually causing, you know, a detriment to public health. Instead of helping the public health, the thing that they're getting paid for, they're going exactly opposite of what they're being paid for to do, and that is protect public health. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so ironic absolutely, and so grim. It's, it's ironic it and grim. It blows me away that yeah. they would suggest shit like this and then say, oh, um, this has to do with public health. Bullshit. If this had to do with public health, you would just be banning smoking, period. Right. It's it's uh, story. I, I have story. I have a message here from from somebody that says that no matter what we say, vaping just looks socially unacceptable, and that is the biggest problem that these politicians have, especially some of these older heads that they've been trained all their life to to you know match smoke with cancer. It's just socially unacceptable. It's an ideology kind of thing. It has nothing to do with science because they can't provide any science that shows that this is harmful. But uh, anyway, to make a long story short, how did the how did the meeting conclude? What was the result? What what kind of feedback did you get from from the legislators that were proposing this? The uh, the Erie County Executive ended the meeting by saying, um, "Let me say this first. He started the meeting by saying that this meeting was for him to get enough input." Um, to decide if he's going to veto this or not. Okay. It's already been proposed by the Erie County Legislature um, and approved. It's up to him as the Erie County Executive to either veto or to, to give the stamp of approval and pass the bill, um, or mo- bill modification, whatever you want to call it. And at the end of it, he said that he had heard a lot of good information. Um, he asked for anybody else that wanted to chip in any information to, to send their information to this and that, and you could email it here or you can drop it off and blah, blah, blah. Um, what I can say, uh, I, then he ended, he, the very last thing he said after that was, oh, I got a meeting to go to. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> and they turned around and ran out the door. And I was standing there the whole time with a guy from the Erie County Department of Health. He was standing right next to me. Mm-hmm. And I watched that guy. He's a nice, younger-looking guy, and he was nodding his head the whole time that we were talking. I could tell that he was getting on board with it. it yeah. Does he make decisions? Probably not. Right, right. Um, the guys that were there with the county executive, is he? Are, are they receptive to these ideas? I can tell you that the the gentleman from the executive's office who was taking notes took like forty pages of notes. I was standing right behind him the entire time, yeah. and I watched him write things down like. We need more facts on this. Right. Um, this this has been shown. Help people. Dash. Here's the name of the study. Um, is there uh, uh, you know actual evidence to say that secondhand vapor has um, negative health effects? Dash. Here's something about the study. I, there was lots of uh, lots of other stuff on there too. Mm-hmm. But when the, the American Cancer Society people spoke, he also took notes about what they said too. Yeah. Of course. Was he just writing down everything for the record? I don't know. Um, It really seemed like they were listening, but it's really, really hard to say that these people who sat at this table with very strong poker faces were uh, going to to care, or were they just doing this because they have to? Um, It's really, really, really hard to say. I feel like we made a pretty strong case, 
And um, I, I think that me and a few other people um, made, made the most important point straight to this man's face, straight to the executive of the county's face is, listen, there are 60 people in this room. For every person that's here, there are somewhere between 15 and 100 people that wanted to come but couldn't come today because they had to work because you're holding this meeting in the middle of the day, the day after St. Patrick's Day, during a work day in the middle of the week, and they couldn't come. But you have to understand that what you do with this, we won't forget it. And if we can get this many people together overnight, don't you think for one second that we can't do this when the time comes to vote for you and your legislature? And I think enough people made that point, uh, hopefully strongly enough, for them to realize that this literally is um, this is a wedge issue. This is a single voter issue. This is something where I will vote against you despite whatever party you're part of. You could be part of the American Nazi Party, and uh, I, I, I don't care. If you're, if you're against this, I, well, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. You know, you know, I, <laughs> Let me try that again. Right. You could be a Republican, and I'd still vote for right. you if you were poor, but, <laughs> right, 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 Okay, right. never mind. But and, yeah, and uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you. Get what I'm saying, though, because I, I I got really good feedback from your testimony and Bill's testimony and other people that were there. So I mean, I have to I have to congratulate you for that. Commend you for taking the time to do that because I think it's extremely important oh, to get okay. your voice heard. You have to, whether you're a vapor, whether you're in the industry, whether you're a manufacturer, you have to show up to these things. Number one, number two, you have to stay on point. You have to talk about what's being proposed. Yeah. We're t- we're talking about a proposed ban. Don't talk about taxation. Don't talk about you know uh, you yeah. know standards. Don't talk about childproof caps. Don't, don't, none of that. We're talking about a spe- specific subject here. You know, restricted use in private businesses, which should be the right of the business to choose, and also would include you know vape shops, and you wouldn't be able to sample your product in the vape. It's completely stupid, completely absurd, right? Stick on point of what the proposal is. Is proposal taxation? Well, you can bring other examples up, but this was not a taxation issue. This was a restricted use, and your your speech has to be relevant to the subject that these people are voting on. Educate them as much. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, and you wh- have to remind them that that every every action that they take is watched, and it determines sure. whether or not they're going to get reelected Absolutely. next session. Absolutely, because if you don't say that, if every person that's there doesn't remind them of that, they can forget it when they walk out of that room because they're going to think, "Oh, here's a bunch of guys with beards and tattoos that are just going to say stuff, and then they're going to go home, and they're still not going to get up and go vote next November." Right, right. But if everybody says that. They're gonna, right? They're gonna be afraid. And also make and sure I, if you if, my, if you say that you're gonna vote them out, make sure you're a registered voter. By the way, so we'll put right. that out there, okay? Absolutely, because <laughs> you you have your name there Absolutely. to to speak. They do, they do check if you're a registered voter or not. Go ahead. Absolutely. I was just gonna say that my number one goal with what I said, um, which was thrown off a little bit by the the nonsense that was said by the the ACS people was that what I want this guy to do is I want him to go home and I want him to go to bed tonight. And while he's pulling that blanket up to his chin, I want him to be scared that he's going to lose his job if he doesn't good. make the right decision. Good, good. And that- if he does that tonight, he won't will forget that for the rest of his right. entire incumbency in his seat. It'll I, never happen. I totally agree. And when are we going to hear results from this, Ian? Um, I've been asked that by a lot of people, and I've been trying to find an answer to it. All I can say is that I believe 
because it's up to him to make a decision on a veto or not. I don't mm-hmm. think he has necessarily like a real strict time frame. I think he'll probably get around to making an announcement by the end of the week, um, Tuesday at the latest. But I will definitely uh, be on the lookout for more information about that, and I'll, uh, I'll let everybody know. Sounds great, Ian. Thanks a lot for calling in. Keep up the good work over there in Erie County. No and uh, get people motivated, man. Yeah. Get people out through these hearings. That's Midnight what we're County, by the way. Yes, well, I mean, <laughs> that's where the proposal is. Listen, if it passes in Erie County, it's coming in Niagara County as well, too. So, you know, we, you have just as much stake at this, whether you live there or not, because it might be coming that's to the right. city that's next to you. That's why I showed up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. That's why I showed up, and I know that's why uh, our our friend from the north showed up as well. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you know, if it happens here, it's real easy for them to say, "Okay, well, it happened there. Yeah. It happened in Buffalo. Hey, what's next? New York right. City. And if right. it happens in New York City, the whole state's going to go down." Absolutely. All right, Ian. Have a wonderful evening over there, buddy. Thanks for calling in. No problem. See you at ECC. Nice all right, keep some scotch over there for me. All right. I'm coming to ECC. In I, got, I got a bottle right here, all man. Right, I got a bottle right here. Don't drink it all. All right. Got your name on it. Have a good night. Bye. Oh, I won't. There you he goes, everybody. Ian Billings from Niagara County, but showed up in Erie County to testify on behalf of this product. Congratulations, buddy. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear stories like that, JT. It just gives me, you know, motivation to continue what I'm doing. You know, it can't be all doom and gloom. No, it is, and it, it, it spreads, and that positivity, whether we even acknowledge it or not it's good to hear this stuff and it it's is. good to see and it's good to know that other people are doing this and it's it's not just going to go without representation but it, we still have to do it and we don't be to intimidated do to do that i know no. it's hard but you know these people work for you these right. people work for you so your voice has to be heard don't be intimidated showing up to these things take some time if you believe in this product to do it so to recap um, part of the pre-market application that I presented to you today, based on all the information that we have so far, it seems like it's the only pathway that electronic cigarettes will take. Is it the best pathway? Absolutely not. I think we all can agree that this product needs its own category. If things remain the same and nothing changes in the final rule, as I predict, then the pathway to pre-market application is not as simple as some of you out there might think. And I'm talking to you, some of you manufacturers that have told me that, oh, I'm ready when the FDA regulations come. Yeah. I got a clean room. Yeah. I got an ISO 6000 lab. I just put some <laughs> caulk around that door you're looking at. I'm just going to yeah. put some, uh, you know, uh, what is that called? Antibacterial paint on the wall, yeah. and I'm good to go. No. It's not that simple. There's a lot of information already there on the table for you to read. Just pick up the CTP guidelines, all right? But the pre-market application path, not the best one, but probably the only one that we can go through. If you take the information that the FDA has given you and they expect 20 to 80 applications, that means it's not good for us. So what we should do as an industry is fight to change that. We have to fight through Congress. We have to fight through the OBM. We have to fight through the Budget and Management Office, the people that control the FDA with these uh, deeming regulations. That's what we should turn our attention on a federal level in order to keep this product available and accessible to the millions of smokers that might die from tobacco-related illnesses. It's extremely important for you to be educated. Show up at these conferences, get all the information that you can, spread the love, spread the education, as I'm trying to do through this microphone every week, and get people involved if you want vaping to be around. JT, some final thoughts from you. JT from the Vape Stars Network in the studio in Chattanooga. I can't believe it. I can't believe you're sitting right next to me here we're doing a show. The, this was awesome. We're going to have to do it again soon. Absolutely. I don't know, man. Just every bit helps. Every bit of excitement that you can spread about advocacy, about protecting what you love, it all will help. And I feel like I can speak from experience. 
Um, you know, I've gone from just product stuff, and I feel like this this advocacy, this new way of looking at things is it's catching on so seconds it's spreading so help everybody yes everybody help everybody that is exactly what we're trying to do we're trying to help everybody we're trying to get everybody involved there's a lot of people that are not online there's a lot of people that are not listening to these shows there's a lot of people that are not in facebook that doesn't mean that you you're a pioneer you're a vapor you believe in this product you tune in every week here encourage your shops i'm sorry but your shop might not have time to to facebook Twitter and Insta, Instagram, encourage your shops to throw that iPad out there and, and have some information. You know, you can do it and they will listen. You're paying their bills. You're spending your money there. And if they don't do it, don't shop with them. Politely, politely <laughs> tell them right. that that's what you're looking for right. in an establishment that's and right. they'll, they'll step up. I promise. That's right. If they're not doing it, just go, turn around and go spend your money with some people that are fighting for your right to vape. At the end of the day, folks, my goal here with Smoke Free Radio is to give you the education. What you're going to do with it is up to you. But as long as I have a voice and as long as I have this microphone, I'm going to keep saying the same thing. Fight for your goddamn right to vape. Have a wonderful evening. I'll see you again next week, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on the VP Live Network with Smoke Free Radio. Have a wonderful evening.